Hello, and welcome to The Staffing Show, the only podcast that delivers tools, tips, and tactics from the staffing and recruiting industry's top executives and thought leaders. This episode is brought to you by Staffing Referrals, the only automated referral management platform chosen by smart staffing firms. Tired of wasting money on traditional job boards? Sick of reminding recruiters about promoting your referral program? Wish you could eliminate admin work spent tracking referrals and scheduling interviews? That's where Staffing Referrals comes in. Imagine transforming your entire talent pool into digital recruiters on behalf of your company. Think about how happy you'll make your team by eliminating wasted time spent tracking referrals and scheduling interviews. There's a reason that Staffing Referrals is one of the fastest growing software platforms in our industry. It's because staffing executives want to scale faster by automating recruiting processes. It's because with Staffing Referrals, you can actually see an ROI. And it's because our world is now more digital than ever and your candidates expect you to keep up. Don't get passed by the competition. Stop missing referrals and start recruiting smarter. Get staffing referrals and improve your tech stack today. To claim one free month, visit www.staffingreferrals.com show. That's staffingreferrals.com show. Hello, everyone. Thank you again for joining the staffing show today. I'm joined here today with Oliver Esmond from Strawn Arnold. Uh, super excited to have you here today, Oliver. Uh, why don't we kick it off by you just tell us a little bit about who you are and kind of what, what you're working on today. Okay. Well, thanks for having me. So uh, I, I have a, uh, an HR career in life sciences, uh, previously with Sando, prior to going into uh, executive search. I always liked executive search. I did not like having to fire people and do performance appraisals. And so I've concentrated for the last 15 years on executive search in life sciences. So we are a life sciences focused firm uh, and we know a lot about life sciences and we don't know a lot about retail and building and all of that kind of stuff. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, how'd you get into life sciences? What kind of, what was your uh, career path? So my last HR job was in a pharmaceutical company and uh, I met somebody as I was leaving who said, well, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? Uh, and I said, well, <laughs> I don't want to do this, uh, but I'm thinking about executive search. And they had this company called Strawn Arnold and they were looking for partners on the East Coast. And so about four months after I met him, I went to work. For them, and subsequently have become a partner and an equity owner. And for a second career, this has been at least as good as my first career. So it's just <laughs> great, actually. If you like meeting people, if you like meeting people and working hard and working funny hours, this is a great. This is a great profession. Awesome, awesome. And uh, what do you th- tell me a little bit about uh, Strawn and Arnold, Strawn Arnold, and kind of what problems you guys are solving for uh, the customers you work with? So we work in life sciences. We work in medical device and diagnostics and vaccines and generics and through the whole range. And you know, fifteen or twenty years ago, we used to get sort of vanilla searches like, "Oh, would you please do this easy this search for me?" Which might be easy. And now companies have their own internal staffing organizations, which turn out to be our biggest competitor. And so we generally get things that are harder now. Uh, Quality searches, regulatory affairs searches, needle in a haystack searches, 
that's what you generally get because these internal recruitment firms, internal recruitment departments uh, use very good technology and they generally are pretty successful unless it's a really needle in a haystack kind of search and then they don't have the time. In this business, working harder is often part of the key to success. And so not just smarter using technology, but like spending more time grinding through people. Sometimes that's what ends up finding the right candidate. Yeah, and, and uh, I mean, I second that. I think it's funny with the uh, most corporate HR companies, or even I, I used to do a lot of hiring when I was a CMO at a company, and I would always take the easy jobs and then thought, oh, well, we don't need to work with a search firm, and then got into IT and started yeah. trying to find people, and it was like, I, I can't solve that. <laughs> this is going to take way too much time to solve this, and started seeing the, the real value there, which is, uh, that's great. Um, how, how have you seen staffing change uh, for your team over the last few years? I know the last year has been super unique. Well, the last uh, year, yeah, is, yeah, the last yeah. year has like been you know the, the 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 granddaddy of all change. But over time, more competition from internal resources, more competition, more competition, and then in March of two thousand and twenty, you know the world of going to a coffee shop or meeting somebody in. Uh, internally, uh, meeting somebody in person, just the door slammed on that. And people had to figure out, well, what to do, what to do next. Yeah. So that's really been the focus of the last year is, you know, how do you adapt? And then, and how do you put all those pieces together to be successful? Um, but it has been getting more and more competitive over the years, like we just talked about. Yeah, and, and with that, you mentioned one of the strategies you put in place to kind of work with the new competition and as things are, you know, you're competing with more internal resources uh, as being working hard, but are there other um, activities, uh, tactics, anything that you've done that, uh, that anything else on that front that you find that is a good way to make sure you're beating out the internal team? So technology in the search business is becoming more and more critical. So, you know, link, everybody uses LinkedIn now. Everybody uses LinkedIn. Yeah. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see, well, what's, what's next after LinkedIn? Because LinkedIn is remarkably flexible and you can do so much with it that it has taken the place of almost everything else. Like people's internal databases, they're great, but they're not as good as LinkedIn. LinkedIn yep. is just remarkable. And to be able to, Use all the pieces of LinkedIn. Learning to do that uh, is just a, an added benefit for anybody in recruitment now. Um, and everything else really, honestly, sort of pales in comparison. I mean, you can, you know, you can do all the other things on the internet and you can yeah. go to meetings, but LinkedIn and that technology is remarkable, particularly for management jobs. Yeah, I would, I would imagine for exact search that that's got to be a, a key right. target. Um, and, glo we, and, yeah. and globally, by the way. Yeah. Everybody, everyone is on everywhere. So you, we've done searches in India and Japan and China. And that's the first place you go to sort of start your roadmap because everybody's there. 
That, that's amazing. Are, are you yeah. using any uh, tools in combination or any other technical software that uh, is unique to what you guys are doing or anything that you're willing to share with the audience? <laughs> so nothing we're willing to share, but honestly, <laughs> yeah. uh, honestly, we don't do a lot. We don't, we, we have our internal database and we do a lot of updating on that. And yeah. we do that kind of stuff. But in terms of outs, when we have a, we have an outsourced vendor who can help you look outside of LinkedIn in various ways to pull things together. But uh, we don't, you, that's not as easy to use. We can't do that ourselves. And so, but, but there are, there are things to do like, outside of LinkedIn, but they're just something, it's harder for, it's harder for uh, a mere mortal to do that. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And that, I'm just curious, um, you know, at sourcing as I, I mean, has continues to be a huge struggle is finding the right qualified talent is almost every year, the number one challenge for yeah. staffing agencies. Yeah. Um, and I know that there's always kind of transitions in that. I still hear a lot of people talk about indeed and the job boards. Um, yeah. Are you guys, is leveraging those at all, or are you just full on LinkedIn? We rarely, we rarely use job boards because job okay. boards, job boards create their own problems in the marketplace. We rarely, rarely use them, and clients don't like paying us and seeing their job on a job board. Like they can, they can do that themselves. So why are you paying for that? But also, you know, unless it's a very specialized job board, yeah. Uh, otherwise, we don't we don't use them. But clearly, somebody is using Indeed and ZipRecruiter. Well, they're using them for lower level jobs. They use them. You yeah. know, we work at the sort of senior executive and technical yeah. head. But we we don't we don't use those at all. Well, that's interesting yeah. to know. Yeah, and I, yeah. I know it's still heavy on uh, for a lot of agencies, but I'm hearing rumblings on uh, not not always the most the best most exciting spot to put a lot of spend. Um, also, so one of the get, things that yeah. You get a lot of you get a lot of stuff, and yeah. you have to weed through the stuff, you know, or unqualified people, and that's just you know your time is what your is what you've got, and that's just not a very good use, particularly for, you know, anything over a director kind of position. It's just it's, it's just not a useful way to do things. That that makes sense. Um, right. So one of the things I wanted to talk about, kind of shifting gears a little bit, but is. Uh, how things have changed, the hiring process has changed during the pandemic and mm-hmm. how your company has adapted to that. What are you guys, uh, what are you guys doing differently? What has uh, worked for you over the last year? The main thing we're doing differently is we are not chalking up uh, uh, miles on United, <laughs> Airline, on United yeah. Airline anymore. That is just a remarkable change for people in my industry. People in my industry used to, Let's say you had an you you were you were doing a job and you had five candidates at the senior level. You met those people at airports. Oh wow! I didn't think about that. Oh, you met those people at airports. Like I can't tell you the number of times I've been to the de- to Denver, but only to the airport on my way to SFO and Sky Harbor. I mean, that has wow. changed dramatically. It's so much better not to sit on an airline seat for <laughs> six hours. And, uh, for an hour than, exactly for an hour me that could turn out to be a dud and that's yeah. just you know you want to you want to kill yourself you know when that yeah. happens you, know, you want to kill yourself uh so that is that change has been so dramatic it's made everybody so much more efficient we've had to learn like how to do this better 
because we didn't do, you know, we did this before, but not to the extent that we do it now. You know, now it's 100, almost 100%. You know, I, yeah, haven't, that- I, I, haven't sat in, I haven't sat in a coffee shop since March of last year. <laughs> That's so yeah. wild. It's uh, crazy to think how much changed in last year. Um, with, with that, are you finding, I know it's more efficient to not have the travel. Do you think you're able to get to the, the same quality of yeah. kind of the, of the process and, you know, really getting to know people? So we all worried about that in the beginning yeah. because if you, and there were people who did what I did who never used uh, uh, Teams or Zoom because it wasn't professional. Yeah. You know, when you're getting paid the kind of fees we get paid, it wasn't yeah. professional. And they had to learn. But like people like me, you know, I, I used to go to a, an outsourced video conferencing store to, <laughs> to do my thing, let's say, let's say 10 years ago before Teams yeah. and Zoom came yeah. along. Uh, so I was getting used to all that. But, but, you know, various people took longer to get used to it. But in, in our business now, you either do this or you're dead. And so yeah. people, people learned and you have to learn to be comfortable in this, in this, in this, in this online environment. And, and you do some things differently than you did before. You know, like uh, when you're sitting in a coffee shop with somebody or you're having a meal with somebody, there are all these cues that you see because you're closer, you know, is the person shaking their foot? Are yeah. they actually paying attention or are they looking around? Do they seem engaged? You know, those kind of cues you don't get as easily this way. You have to learn yeah. to get them. And so I think the whole learning to make this interview as effective or more effective than, uh, than the uh, coffee shop or meal thing uh, is, uh, was the learning for all of us. That, uh, that sounds amazing. Could you, do you have any specific techniques that you've used to uh, right. anything that you've kind of applied that, that would be sure? You know, uh, well, so one thing I will yeah. say, I was a person, I hated having a meal with a candidate and like, you know, they're having to eat the food and write and, and make sure that people were, you know, you were, you were sort of managing that. I'm so glad I'm not doing that anymore. I, I hated <laughs> that. Uh, but the, the main thing I do is I'm more disciplined. So I make sure that I ask the same questions multiple times. Uh, I make sure that I make good use of my time because some, some people, it's amazing. Now that you have, even though it's COVID time, people are on very tight schedules because they're constantly in meetings still. Yeah. They're just in these kind of meetings. So I, I try to be very disciplined in my questions. And I always start with the same, I always start with the technical questions. But to make sure the person can, you know, can meet the technical base of the job, whatever it turns out to be. And then I spend more time on fit and culture than I did before, because in the end, that's what really matters. And that's what's more difficult to figure out. And, and uh, when you're digging into kind of the fit and culture, uh, do you have a specific set of questions that you dig? I mean, that's one of the harder things I right. think to pull out of general conversation and really make sure people are aligned on. I've heard of kind of a principle-based hiring where it's like making sure your you know, core values or core principles are right. a candidate aligned with that of the, the company, but do you have a, a process or strategy that you use to, to ensure it happens? 
So I use, I, I ask sort of multiple levels of questions. I usually ask a question about, tell me about your last 360, uh, because that's very helpful in listening to what the candidate has to say about their strengths and weaknesses. Some people, even though they're, they're a mature executive, they can't name their areas of development. When somebody tells me that you're, you know, you're 45 to 55 years old, you're going for a senior job, and you can't tell me what your performance appraisal has said for the last 20 years, because most people <laughs> don't change that much, I, I worry about that. I, yeah. I worry about that, and I try to dig into that. Um, so I ask about 360s. I ask about the last performance appraisal. I ask about sort of situational, I ask, I ask for examples. What's the most difficult project you ever worked on? What's your greatest success? What's your greatest failure? And what I'm really looking for is a level of maturity. And can you answer those questions? Because if you can't answer those questions and you're going for a senior role, yeah. I'm worried about you. If you can't answer those questions and you're going for a technical role, I'm not as worried about you, but I don't think you're going to grow as much. So I, I go through those kinds of questions uh, and I try to ask them in more ways than one so that I can, I, can, I, can, I can dig in. And when somebody doesn't answer a question, I've never, I didn't used to do the pregnant pause thing. Yeah. That's very effective, though. You do the pregnant pause, and you never know what you're going to hear, you know, if you're willing to wait yeah. you know, 20, 20 seconds. I never used to do that before, but I, I, definitely, I definitely do that now. Um, and then the other thing I do, just because some, it, it makes people more comfortable, I always ask people, to the extent you're permitted, about your, you know, what do you, you know, what are your hobbies? You know, what do you do for fun outside of work? Because that's often telling about, you know, about, about what people are into. It's amazing what people will tell you. And then, and then you know, depending on what they, that is, you can dig into that and you just learn more about the person. Um, so, I mean, I do all of those things in a very disciplined kind of way to sort of get get into, into who you are. And, and, you know, I look for, I look for themes. That's what I do. I, I look for themes. And, and, uh, well, one thing that you mentioned there that I thought I just always find is the, uh, you know, tell me about your biggest weakness. Sounds like sometimes right. I was coming up with, uh, lives, but I was, yeah. when I, uh, in, in the days where I was doing a lot of interviewing, that, that was always one of my favorite questions, just because yeah. of the, the answers could be, you know, it's like, oh, my biggest weakness is that I can't stop working. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, you're like, okay, well, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's always a, do you have any, any good stories on that one? Well, well I hate, sure? I personally hate that answer. Because yeah. that's yeah. not a development. I, I don't use the word yeah. weakness, by the way. I use yeah. the word a develop. What's your development needs? Yeah. So when someone tells me they're a workaholic, I basically say, well, that's not necessarily a weakness or a development yeah, I know. need. I know. Some companies yeah. love that. Private equity companies live for that. They love that mm -hmm. answer. So like, What's a better answer? What's a better answer that I'm a workaholic? That I'm a workaholic, and some people just aren't willing to do that. 
And, you know, sometimes that's cultural. You know, my practice is global. It's often much more difficult for me to get that answer out of uh, different groups of people because it's, you know, that's a sign of weakness versus a sign of knowledge. And so that is that is often difficult to get. And you just have to keep that in mind. You have to be culturally aware, you know, when you're, when you're talking to people, uh, you know, globally, you know, some, you know, some European companies, just countries, those guys, just those people are all set with that question, but in Asia, they're not. Yeah. And, that, and, and, and so you just have to understand that, you know, when you ask those questions, like asking about family in parts of Asia, that's just not done. You don't do that. Oh, um, that's so interesting. Just, I didn't know so that. you just don't, you don't do, you just, yeah. that's called, that's called prying. And you just don't, you just don't do that. Uh, in some, oh. in, in, in some, in some cultures. So, yeah. So, uh, but I, I try to go after the same question to try to get a rounded view of the candidate. That makes complete sense. Do you have anything that, um, uh, I think a key part of this and, you know, just talking with other staffing uh, execs is that it's, you know, understanding the, the core values of the client and making right. sure that you're aligning those how do you have any process uh, on that front? Is it more of just kind of you know meetings? Uh, is there any standard standard process that would be valuable for uh, our right. audience? So I used to say that that whole making sure you know getting getting the culture to the candidate was to some extent the client's job. Yep. Uh, but uh, you know nowadays to engage people, I often t- I tell people to go to the website. Because on, on websites now, they talk about, you know, the whole people section on a website yeah. Is, yeah. About, is about values and citizenship and what we're looking for. Um, you know, some of that is, is real and some of that isn't real. Uh, yeah. And so I, what I, I, tend to, I tend to ask questions that I think reflect what the client wants. Some clients, for instance want people that are very autonomous and independent and will work uh, unsupervised. And there's a whole sort of freedom aspect. And there are some clients that don't like that at all, that are very, um, that are very uh, um, nuts and bolts. Like, yeah. you know, I want you in the office. I want you to be, uh, to be available to me, you know, uh, and I want you to be in that meeting. And, and understanding those differences are really important. Um, and also being able to work in a matrix or not. Lots of people are in a matrix organization. And if you're not, if you're not experienced in working in a matrix, maybe a global matrix, actually, uh, yeah. you're not going to be a good fit. And, and the, the fit thing is what makes it or breaks it in lots of companies now. Uh, absolutely. And, and uh, with that, I mean, wh- where do you kind of see things progressing. Um, I mean, now we're kind of not out of the pandemic that's going to be going on for a while, but things are uh, starting to open back up. Uh, Kind of where where do you see staffing going forward? Right. Hey, I just want to, you know, this is just like something that happened to me yesterday. So I thought I would share it with my, with my peers. You know, I didn't used to do this. Some companies do, you know, we, we look at social media now uh, for like a candidate social media page and like we didn't used to look at somebody's Facebook page or what they've been posting 
And we sort of do that more because clients do that. I just ran into a situation where I thought there was some, somebody's email address had the word whiskey gut in it. Whiskey gut 704. And you're like, <laughs> all of my, you know, all of my radar immediately yeah. went up. Really, yeah, Whiskey yeah. gate 704. So I, I went to their, uh, I went to a website that they refer people to. And there was a lot of whiskey involved in this guy's life. And the client, this is a senior executive, the client would have looked at that and would have been horrified to see that. And so, you know, I, I would I encourage people who are professional uh, now to make sure that their email address and their social media posts deliver the right message. And, and, and I mean, we have multiple examples of people who, whose let's say whose email addresses are off it's color, unreal. are off it's- color. I just find that just remarkable, actually, in this day and age. I asked somebody. I, I asked somebody the other day. Do you use Whiskey Gut Seven Hundred Four for your professional stuff? I said, no, no, I don't really use that. I said, well, you know, you sent something to me on it. You know, I now have to ask you about that. How about sending me another email address that you use so I don't have to look at that again? And. We can talk about it. And he had a second email address that he that he used. I, I that that kind of thing, that kind of thing needs to be cleaned up. I would say uh, because that just sends the wrong message, and it makes people like me nervous. Because in the end, I my client trusts me to use good judgment, and and I have to worry about that. When I when I see things that I know I shouldn't see, you know, it's like you can't unsee things. Yeah, yeah. That's an example of that. that that's pretty amazing. I've I've actually experienced that as well. I uh, I not on the executives uh, executive search side of things, but I've experienced that on uh, different job types. I've I've been blown away at the, yeah. the emails that come in, like hot guy, whatever. You know, yeah, at Gmail yeah. Com, It's like I'm like, are you like? Do you you know we can read these? Like how? Yeah. How it takes the email accounts are free. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty wild to uh, see like that. I, what? And, and what? At the executive what, level too. Yeah. <laughs> what were you thinking? You know, you know, what yeah, were yeah. you thinking yeah. there? Anyway, we yeah. can move on. We can move. Yeah. Uh, great, great story. And also yeah. pretty, pretty funny to hear that it's happening yeah. at all levels. Uh, so, so um, where we're trying to, uh, where we're jumping into next is kind of like, you know, where do you th- see things going from here? There's been a ton of change, you know, there's been more yeah. adoption of technology, um, yeah. but how do you see things kind of progressing in executive search and life sciences for staffing agencies? So number one, we're never going to ever go back to meeting people face to face for initial interviews and screening interviews. That's the, I would be very surprised if that happens again because it's so much more efficient to do this. Uh, I think that for senior level executive positions, we're going to go back to some hybrid. I'm going to start traveling again for final interviews and I'm going to end up in coffee shops and meals again uh, because the client in the end wants that because they want that extra bit of comfort, but it's going to be hybrid. It's going to be a hybrid. Some organizations aren't going to do that. They're going to be okay until the final interview with 
with the Zoom calls. And I, I think that I think that from a technology, so I think that those kind of changes will will make me more efficient and will make it easier for candidates to engage in a process. I think that that's sort of, that's going to be the main change. Because, you know, most life sciences companies, except manufacturing, they're still not back at work. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of those guys are coming back to work until the fall. You know, so I think that there's still time to see what all this is going to look like. But I think that efficiency and quickness have been things that we've all learned through this, through this process. And I think that candidates need to learn how to use technology more comfortably. So they need to learn this. They need to do things to keep up. Y- younger, younger people already have. You know, it's people that are, that are farther along in their career who never thought they would ever have to do this. Uh, those guys have to, have to catch up. And a lot of them are. A lot of people are, are, are catching up. And I think that I think that's just going to all, all continue. Yeah, I, I think it makes sense. And uh, I mean, I think it's great. The, what I've seen just uh, is the kind of shift towards people used to never jump on Zoom, period. Like even when right. you have conference calls, nobody would go on video. And now right. almost everybody just assumes it's the new norm. And it's uh, oh, yeah. honestly, it's made things for the software company that we have more efficient. It's made a lot of things more efficient, but I do miss the human connection for a lot of it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for conferences right. to be back online. Well, so. well, you know, I think from an HR perspective, like the whole onboarding of new employees yep. is something that's going to, that's, that everybody is grappling with. Because like, if I'm talking to you and I've known you for three to five years uh, and I'm in a meeting, I already know you. I've already had a couple of calls. I know you. New people, it's harder to get to know new folks online. But interestingly, it's happening now every single day. Yep. And so companies are being more aggressive with or more efficient with onboarding. Onboarding used to be very haphazard. Onboarding is not haphazard anymore. There's a script. There are interview dates. It's, it's a way more effective process than it used to be. And I think that's a benefit, to tell you the truth. Um, but I think along with the whole remote work thing, uh, you know, you have to invest the time to do this because otherwise, you know, knowing your colleagues and peers, that makes a difference, you know, when you work, when you work together, particularly on the bad, in the bad times, uh, and you know, when things are tough. So I think that, that, that whole onboarding thing still needs work and still needs discipline and companies are, companies are working at that all the time. Yeah, absolutely. They, yeah, they figured the remote thing out already because they had to. But the onboarding thing is is on, shall we say, ongoing. Do you, do you assist with that when you're working with clients, or is that on them to have their own process? I mean, is there any? So that is on them to have their own process. But we sort of push to make sure that something happens. So, like on day one, we didn't used to ask as much. Well, you show up at the front door, and you have a schedule of people who are going to meet you. And we didn't really get involved in that. Now we don't get, we don't, we don't micromanage it, but we make sure there's some kind of onboarding. And we sometimes, if it's a smaller company, have to push that to make sure that that happens because the success of a, of a recruitment is often based on, you know, how did that first two or three weeks go? And if it, 
if you're sitting there and you're not getting fed information, you're not meeting people, it, it's not going to go well. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's been interesting. I've, I've actually onboarded a couple of employees last year and it's just been a, such a weird experience being like, Hey, we're not going to meet in person. We're just going to have as much zoom time as you could possibly have it. Uh, try to go through and make it as normal as possible, but it's. But uh, don't still, you think it? Yeah. Don't you think it becomes a little more normal? Oh, I think we've gotten to a spot where it feels uh, it works. We get to the same spot that we would have with in person. I think maybe you miss some of the. There's some nuances. I think to you know connecting with somebody in in person, yeah. uh, but as a whole, uh, I think. I mean, I, I know I for our business, I've proven it successful, and I know I've talked to a lot of companies who were anti-remote work as a whole. Like we're never going to go remote. And now, and now they're like, I don't think we're ever having an office again. I mean, that's yeah. the wild thing. And so many staffing uh, executives I've talked to are like, yeah, we got rid of our corporate lease and yeah. uh, we're going to maybe have a shared workspace with some like flex time for people, but it's everybody's kind of rethinking how business is done as a whole, which is wild. Right. I'm glad I'm not in commercial real estate. Because no, you can be sure that all those office buildings, many of yeah. those office buildings are going to be less filled than they used to be because of this. But it's like a lot of us used to have global, have global colleagues. We didn't used to see those global, global colleagues except a couple of times a year. And it, that's what it's becoming like, you know, and you, the, the Zoom calls help with that. But it's like, you know, the global calling that, that, you, ha- that you had in, uh, in Turkey that you saw once a year. Well, that's what this has turned out to be. You've learned to work pretty well with those people in the past, and now you're just figuring that out on a larger level. Yep, absolutely. And, and to your point on the commercial real estate, I was at uh, 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 hanging out at WeWork quite a bit over mm. the last few months like that. The building, the WeWork next to where I live, I mean, I would say there's probably 40 offices on the floor that I was at and uh, maybe five people there on average on a day, any given day. So right. <laughs> like there's no absolutely nobody in there. So well, uh, we work is yeah. we work is a nightmare now. You know, that yeah. used to be used to be the company yeah. that everybody wanted. Now we works is just because their lease the, the price of their leases has not dropped yet. Or, you know, uh, but they have like 10% occupancy right now. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. yep. Exactly. So um so uh with that, I've got some kind of more personalized uh questions to kind yeah. of end the end the session yeah. with. Yeah. Um, so a little bit more rapid fire. So I'm, if you're good with it, we'll go ahead and jump in. Go ahead. All right. So uh, first one's actually just related to COVID. Uh, but where, where are you going on your first trip? Do you have uh, anything planned? We're going. To, we're, we are going to Florida. Awesome. We're going. To, we're going to the west coast of Florida because we ha- we have a place there. We haven't yeah. seen it. We haven't seen it in a year, and we are just dying like everybody else, like yeah. to go and do something. <laughs> so no. we're gonna go. We're gonna go do that in uh, in June. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, yeah I June. can. Uh, the excitement around that. I just like asking that people that question because you can just see their faces light up. Oh. So <laughs> it's like we have not, we have not we have not been to a restaurant in a restaurant eating indoors yet. We've been eating oh, wow. outdoors, uh, but not indoors because you know I, I'm I'm yeah. I'm older than you, and I and yeah. I wanted to get my second shot, which I've gotten now. Right. But now people like me, we have PTSD. You know, like, like we're just, you know, can we really go indoors and eat? Like, I mean, it, it's going to take a little time, but yeah, we, I can't wait. I can't wait to do that either. That might be this weekend, actually. Well, that is super exciting. It's, it's yeah. a good feeling. It's a good feeling. Yeah. I've, I've gone out wait. Denver, Denver started opening up a little bit more and uh, most people I know now are 
have a vaccine or at least, right. at least have their first shot. Their so first it's starting shot. To, yeah, yeah, it's like life, life feels like it, it's going to going to happen again. So. Can't wait to can't wait to go to the mall. Can't <laughs> wait to go to the mall. <laughs> There's a lot of things that I, I never uh, never thought I would be so grateful for. Just like having a conversation with a bartender, you know, I was like exactly. meeting us meeting a stranger. <laughs> shaking somebody's hand. Yeah. Shaking yeah. somebody's yeah. hand. Giving somebody yeah. a hug. Absolutely. Great. Absolutely. Great. Uh, all right. So um, in the last five years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life? Oh, God. What a terrible question. Um, <laughs> uh, so I have, I guess, I guess my answer is, so I have, I, we just had our first grandchild. Awesome. And I would say that that is a humbling, a humbling uh, and wonderful experience in that uh, all of a sudden you have this child who's not yours. It's your child's, but you are supposed to love that child immediately. And you do because there's something very compelling about that. And all of a sudden that person, that kid becomes part of your life and it, 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 it changes, it changes things. And it's, and it's humbling in that, this kid has all this power over you. And you just thought like, how did that happen? Like, how did that happen? And it just gives you a different, a different perspective on your, on life. And also you get to, you get to, you get to, you get to try again after you, yeah. you know, how did I do as a parent? Well, am I getting better as a grandparent? So it, it's, it's humbling in that way too. Well, congrats on that. That's super exciting. Thank uh, you. I, my mom is pushing so hard for that to have. <laughs> oh yeah. Got the best. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Right. So, um, what, what is one of the best or most worthwhile investments you've ever made? It could be an investment of money, time, energy, et cetera. Okay. So that's really easy for me. Uh, so people that do the work that I do, uh, a often work alone or you work in an office all day and you have to figure out some way to keep your social yourself socially engaged. So, yeah. uh, so I play tennis three days a week and I've invested in lessons and I've invested in equipment because I can either take a tennis lesson or I can sit on a shrink's couch. <laughs> so I think the sitting on the, 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 te the tennis lesson where I get to work out my problems and actually see things happen in a positive way is a much better investment for me than sitting on a couch and, 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 and going through that process when it, whereas I think, you know, when you play tennis, you have physical exercise, which is good for you. You play with people that you like, uh, and it's both humbling when you lose and exciting when you win, but it's good to be outdoors. Uh, that, that's amazing. I, for me, I second that and for me, it's running and running is like the meditation that I need. So, you know, it's like time, giving yourself time to work through the problems you need to work through. Have you ever had that? Have you ever actually had that Zen moment where you? Run? Oh man! Yes, <laughs> yes. So sadly, I've run numerous marathons. Yeah. My oldest daughter, uh, 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 half marathons. Yeah, I have never, for even one second, really experienced that. So, so like <laughs> for me, it's just like it's just like. Two and a half hours of plodding pain to keep up with this person that's 35 <laughs> years younger than me. And so I have never had that experience, but I know a lot of people have. Oh, I, man, I, 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 it's almost uh, once I'm in shape and I'm doing anything between five and 10 miles, it's like 50% of my runs. I think in that, in that world, I'll just have like 
the, the runner's high, as they call it, but I'll have a moment where everything feels, you know, uh, I don't, they're not explaining exactly, but uh, it's uh, pretty, pretty powerful. And I'm, I'm a big marathon guy as well. So I, uh, no, I, I know yeah, it exists. Yeah, yeah. I just never <laughs> experienced it, which is why That's I don't, wild. which is why I don't run anymore. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. I've, uh, uh, it sounds like you've done a lot of, you've done a few marathons though. So I've done, uh, I've done, I don't know, half a dozen half marathons. Okay. Most of them in Central Park or in places yeah. like that, which is really a beautiful place to run. So you'd think you would feel that, but not a single <laughs> not, not a single Well, well the, I'm glad this, you have. This is hopefully fulfilling the void. Yeah, so, it is. It's just great. Um, so what are uh, the bad recommendations you hear in your profession or area of expertise? Ooh, bad recommendations. Well. I guess it, I guess that has to do with, that probably has to do with ethics. So like in my business, my clients expect me to be ethical and to do things that are in their best interest. Um, And some people who do the work that I do, they move people forward who maybe they shouldn't move forward. They look in places they shouldn't look. They do things that don't keep the, the client's perspective at the top of the list, but they keep their own. And I work, I try very hard not to do that because that always backfires and bites you. And so I, I try to be very cautious about anything that is eth- about ethically challenged because that's part of the problem with my industry. Lots of people think that search people have ethical issues and some do. So I, I'm careful about that. Even if I occasionally can't go after a candidate because of it. I mean, the, the, all of the agencies that just act like they never saw the whiskey gut. That's correct. <laughs> and don't think twice about moving the whiskey gut guy forward. Uh, they just want them. They just want the money. And I'd yeah. rather have the, I'd rather have the long-term client. Absolutely. Clients know when you're, Clients know when you're, shall we say, not having their best interests in mind, and they go to somebody else. And it's just, that's, that is painful because once you lose a client, you know, you've got to go find another one. Whereas if yeah. you, you know, treat them better, they'll, they generally will stay. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, last question I have here is, uh, what is an unusual habit or absurd thing that you love? So it's not really an, I, it's not an unusual habit, but I, you know, like most people who are in business, you know, you have your, uh, you have your superstitions. Yep. So like when somebody calls me and says, I have this role for you, some of my colleagues immediately think they have it. Like they're going to get it. <laughs> I don't do a single thing. Until, like, like I don't put a file together. I don't, I don't do anything that is going to ruin the, the karma of getting that search by thinking I already have it and being like over, you know, like overconfident. So like, so until I have a signed agreement, I don't make a file. I don't do the work because I think that you're just overly confident and you're going to, and you might not get it. So I just wait until I get things before I assume I have them. That's sort of weird. Why. Uh, that seems like a, know, a great, a great I, practice. <laughs> I know it's not great. I know it's not great wisdom, but like, but like, if you're in business, well, your business, you know, you, you know, you, you, you've been burned before, and you just, uh, you wanna, 
use your time wisely. Let's put it that way. And so that's what I do. And, and actually, I think that is a uh, pretty insightful and also something I, I was, and I cannot remember what book it was in, uh, but they were talking about how a lot of people think you're supposed to, you know, assume the close when you're in a sales process, like have the assumed yeah. close, like I've got it and go in with yeah. the, I've like the thought of you. And they actually said that there was a, I don't know if there was some study, but they said that instead of going in with assuming that you have it, going in with the, uh, asking the question of how do I get this? Mm. And why wouldn't they take this? And having that be your stance going into it, right. That's it increases, your, increases your close rate by quite a bit. Right. So it sounds like you're, I, I think, pretty much doing that. <laughs> so, right. Like, so I don't assume yeah. I have something until I have it. Yeah. Uh, and I feel I have to earn it. Yeah. I have to, you have to work for it. Yeah. So absolutely. I just, I, I'm cautious in that, in that, in that way. Like a lot of other people are, you know, who, you know, because there are a lot of competition. There are a lot of places people can go. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, so last uh, comment. So is there anything, any closing notes, anything else that you'd like to share with our audience today? No, I, I would just, I would just say that, you know, the whole COVID thing has impacted everybody in different ways. Uh, and I think that over time, some of it from business perspective will be positive as long as the economy comes back for everybody. Uh, and I think that we all have things to learn. Um, and I think that the learning and the adapting to whatever the new reality is, is what's going to, is, you know, is yet to come. Uh, and some of it will be good and some of it will be different. Let's say that we'll, we'll, we will continue to adapt over the next year as we sort of figure out what the new world looks like. Uh, that was uh, great advice, and uh, it is going to be interesting to see. And uh, I'm just happy that it's uh, happy to see that we're moving. I, I have to say the uh, vaccines came sooner than I anticipated. A year ago, this time, I I thought we we're going to be in the you know I thought this was going to be a two year deal, and uh, it still will be. But things right. are things are at least moving down the uh, good path at the moment. Well, the whole so, vaccine uh, thing is a freak is a freaking miracle of I know of of modern of modern science, and we should all we should all be just hard to believe it happened so fast, but it, it's just, it's, it's a great, it's a great thing. I like being in my industry because of it. The life sciences, pharmaceutical, everybody who works for some of those companies are so proud. People at Pfizer and Moderna and J&J, they are so proud of those companies because, you know, we have a bad reputation. We charge too much, pharmaceutical yeah. companies, but this is an example of how wonderful it is to work for a life sciences company where you save lives every day. Literally changing the world, uh, changing and doing, the it world. Fast, doing it faster than any of us anticipated right. a year ago, and not so. being and not, no and no and no uh, no negatives about overcharging yet. That yeah, yeah. Not, yeah. Not, yeah. Not, <laughs> not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet, yeah. Oh, um, awesome. Well, well, thanks so much for joining us oh. today, Oliver. Really appreciate it. Really enjoyed the conversation. Okay. Uh, and thanks again. Great. Very nice meeting you and, uh, and, uh, good luck and have a good day. And, uh, I'll think if you want to go into my, my first restaurant. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Okay. Great. Take care. You soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the staffing show. Don't forget to sign up for our newsletter at staffinghub.com to never miss an episode until next time. <laughs>